Section fourteen of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume Eight. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume Eight, by Anonymous. Translated by Richard Francis Burton, eighteen twenty-one through eighteen ninety. Section fourteen when it was the eight hundred and nineteenth night she continued it hath reached me o auspicious king that quoth nur al huda the queen to her sister manar al sana the princess and thou have married sans our knowledge why didst thou abandon thy husband and separate thy sons from their sire and bring them to our land thou hast hidden thy children from us thinkest thou we know not of this allah almighty he who is cognizant of the concealed hath made known to us thy case and revealed thy condition and bared thy nakedness then she bade her guards seize her and pinion her elbows and shackle her with shackles of iron so they did as she commanded and she beat her with a grievous beating so that her skin was torn and hanged her up by the hair after which she cast her in prison and wrote the king her father a writ acquainting him with her case and saying there hath appeared in our land a man a mortal by name hasan and our sister manar al sana avoucheth that she is lawfully married to him and bear him two sons whom she hath hidden from us and thee nor did she discover aught of herself till there came to us this man and informed us that he wedded her and she tarried with him a long while after which she took her children and departed without his knowledge bidding as she went his mother tell her son when as longing began to rack to come to her in the islands of Wat, So we laid hands on the man, and sent the old woman, Shawahi, to fetch her and her offspring, enjoining her to bring us the children in advance of her. And so she did, whilst Manar al-Sana equipped herself and set out to visit me. When the boys were brought to me, and ere the mother came, I sent for Hassan the mortal, who claimeth her to wife. And he on entering, and at first sight, knew them, and they knew him. Whereby was I certified that the children were indeed his children, and that she was his wife and i learned that the man's story was true and he was not to blame but that the reproach and the infamy rested with my sister now i feared the rending of our honour veil before the folk of our isles so when this wanton this traitoress came into me i was incensed against her and cast her into prison and bastinadoed her grievously and hanged her up by the hair behold i have acquainted thee with her case and it is thine to command and whatso thou orderest us that we will do thou knowest that in this affair is dishonour and disgrace to our name and to thine and haply the islanders will hear of it and we shall become amongst them a byword wherefore it befitteth thou return us an answer with all speed then she delivered the letter to a courier and he carried it to the king who when he read it was wroth with exceeding wrath with his daughter manar al sana and wrote to nur al huda saying i commit her case to thee and give thee command over her life so if the matter be as thou sayest kill her without consulting me when the queen had received and read her father's letter she sent for manal sana and they set before her the prisoner drowned in her blood and pinioned with her hair shackled with heavy iron shackles and clad in haircloth and they made her stand in the presence abject and abashed when she saw herself in this condition of passing humiliation and exceeding abjection she called to mind her former high estate 
and wept with sore weeping and recited these two couplets o lord my foes are fain to slay me in despite nor deem i anywise to find escape by flight i have recourse to thee to annual what they have done thou art the asylum lord of fearful suppliant wight then wept she grievously till she fell down in a swoon and presently coming to herself repeated these two couplets troubles familiar with my heart are grown and i with them erst shunning for the generous are sociable still not one mere kind alone of woe doth leaguer with me lie praised be god there are with me thousands of kinds of ill and also these oft times mischance shall straighten noble breast with grief whence issue is for him to shape but when the meshes straightest tightest seem they loose though deemed i near to find escape and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say when it was the eight hundred and twentieth night she pursued it hath reached me o auspicious king that when queen nur al huda ordered into the presence her sister princess manar al sana they set her between her hands and she pinioned as she was recited the verses aforesaid then the queen sent for a ladder of wood and made the eunuchs lay her on her back with her arms spread out and bind her with cords thereto after which she bared her head and wound her hair about the ladder rungs and indeed all pity for her was rooted out from her heart when manar al sana saw herself in this state of abjection and humiliation she cried out and wept but none succoured her then said she to the queen o my sister how is thy heart hardened against me hast thou no mercy on me nor pity on these little children but her words only hardened her sister's heart and she insulted her saying o wanton o harlot allah hath no ruth on whoso sueth for thee how should i have compassion on thee o traitorous replied manar al sana who lay stretched on the ladder i appeal from thee to the lord of heavens concerning that wherewith thou revilest me and whereof i am innocent by allah i have done no whoredom but am lawfully married to him and my lord knoweth and i speak sooth or not indeed my heart is wroth with thee by reason of thine excessive hard-heartedness against me how canst thou cast at me the charge of harlotry without knowledge but my lord will deliver me from thee and if that whoredom whereof thou accused me be true may he presently punish me for it quoth nur al huda after a few moments of reflection how durst thou bespeak me thus and rose and beat her till she fainted away whereupon they sprinkled water on her face till she revived and in truth her charms were wasted for excess of beating and the straightness of her bonds and the sore insults she had suffered then she recited these two couplets if aught i've sinned in sinful way or done ill deed and gone astray then past repent i and i come to you and for your pardon pray when nur al huda heard these lines her wrath redoubled and she said to her wilt speak before me in verse o whore and seek to excuse thyself for the mortal sins thou hast sinned twas my desire that thou shouldst return to thy husband that i might witness thy wickedness and matchless brazen facedness for thou gloriest in thy lewdness and wantonness and mortal heinousness then she called for palm-stick and whenas they brought the jared she arose and bearing arms to elbows beat her sister from head to foot after which she called for a whip of plaited thongs wherewith if one smote an elephant he would start off at full speed and came down therewith on her back and her stomach and every part of her body till she fainted 
when the old woman shahawi saw this she fled forth from the queen's presence weeping and cursing her but nur al huda cried out to her eunuch saying fetch her to me so they ran after her and seizing her brought her back to the queen who bade throw her on the ground and making them lay hold of her rose and took the whip with which she beat her till she swooned away when she said to her waiting women drag this ill-omened beldam forth on her face and put her out and they did as she bade them so far concerning them but as regards hasan he walked on beside the river in the direction of the desert distracted troubled and despairing of life and indeed he was dazed and knew not night from day for stress of affliction he ceased not faring on thus till he came to a tree whereto he saw a scroll hanging so he took it and found written thereon these couplets when in thy mother's womb thou wast i cast thy case the bestest best and turned her heart to thee so she fostered thee on fondest breast we will suffice thee in whate'er shall cause thee trouble or unrest will aid thee in thine enterprise so rise and bow to our behest when he had ended reading this scroll he made sure of deliverance from trouble and of winning reunion with those he loved then he walked forward a few steps and found himself alone in a wild and perilous wold wherein there was none to company with him upon which his heart sank within him for horror and loneliness and his side muscles trembled for that fearsome place and he recited these couplets o zephyr of morn and thou pass where the dear ones dwell bear greeting of lover who ever in love-longing wones and tell them i pledge to yearning and pawned to pine and the might of my passion all passion of lovers unthrones their sympathies haply shall breathe in a breeze like thee and quicken forthright this framework of rotting bones and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased saying her permitted say when it was the eight hundred and twenty-first night she resumed it hath reached me o auspicious king that when hasan read the scroll he was certified of deliverance from his trouble and made sure of winning reunion with those he loved then he walked forward a couple of steps and stopped finding himself alone in a wild and perilous wold wherein was none to company with him so he wept sore and recited the verses before mentioned then he walked on a few steps further beside the river till he came upon two little boys of the sons of the sorcerers before whom lay a rod of copper graven with talismans and beside it a skull-cap of leather made of three gores and rotten in steel with names and carracks the cap and rod were upon the ground and the boys were disputing and beating each other till the blood ran down between them whilst each cried none shall take the wand but i so hasan interposed and parted them saying what is the cause of your contention and they replied o uncle be thou judge of our case for allah the most high hath surely sent thee to do justice between us quoth hasan tell me your case and i will judge between you and quoth one of them we twain are brothers german and our sire was a mighty magician who dwelt in a cave on yonder mountain he died and left us this cap and rod and my brother saith none shall have the rod but i whilst i say the like so be thou judge between us and deliver us each from other hasan asked what is the difference between the rod and the cap and what is their value the rod appears to be worth six coppers and the cap three whereto they answered thou knowest not their properties and what are their properties each of them hath a wonderful secret virtue wherefore the rod is worth the revenue of all the islands of wak and their provinces and dependencies and the cap the like by allah o my sons discover to me their secret virtues so they said o uncle 
they are extraordinary for our father wrought an hundred and thirty and five years at their contrivance till he brought them to perfection and engrafted them with secret attributes which might serve him extraordinary services and engraved them after the likeness of the revolving spear and by their aid he dissolved all spells and when he had made an end of their fashion death which all needs must suffer overtook him now the hidden virtue of the cap is that whoso setteth it on his head is concealed from all folk's eyes nor can any see him whilst it remaineth on his head and that of the rod is that whoso owneth it hath authority over seven tribes of the jinn who all serve the order and ordinance of the rod and whenever he who possesseth it smiteth therewith on the ground their kings come to do him homage and all the jinn are at his service now when hasan heard these words he bowed his head groundwards awhile and then said in himself by allah i shall conquer every foe by means of this rod and cap inshallah and i am worthier of them both than these two boys so i will go about forthright to get them from the twain by craft that i may use them to free myself and my wife and children from yonder tyrannical queen and then we will depart from this dismal stead whence there is no deliverance for mortal man nor flight doubtless allah caused me not to fall in with these two lads but that i might get the rod and cap from them then he raised his head and said to the two boys if ye would have me decide the case i will make trial of you and see what each of you deserveth he who overcometh his brother shall have the rod and he who faileth shall have the cap they replied o uncle we depute thee to make trial of us and do thou decide between us as thou deemst fit hasan asked will ye hearken to me and have regard for my words and they answered yes then said he i will take a stone and throw it and he who outrunneth his brother thereto and picketh it up shall take the rod and the other who is outraced shall take the cap and they said we accept and consent to this thy proposal then hasan took a stone and threw it with his might so that it disappeared from sight the two boys ran under and after it and when they were at a distance he donned the cap and hending the rod in hand removed from his place that he might prove the truth of that which the boys had said with regard to their scant properties the younger outran the elder and coming first to the stone took it and returned with it to the place where they had left hasan but found no signs of him so he called to his brother saying where is the man who was to be umpire between us quoth the other i espy him not neither what i whether he hath flown up to heaven above or sunk into earth beneath then they sought for him but saw him not though all the while he was standing in his stead hard by them so they abused each other saying rod and cap are both gone they are neither mine nor thine and indeed our father warned us of this very thing but we forgot what so he said then they retraced their steps and hasan also entered the city wearing the cap and bearing the rod and none saw him now when he was thus certified of the truth of their speech he rejoiced with exceeding joy and making the palace went up into the lodging of shawahi who saw him not because of the cap then he walked up to a shelf over her head upon which were vessels of glass and chinaware and shook it with his hand so that what was thereon fell to the ground the old woman cried out and beat her face then she rose and restored the fallen things to their places saying in herself by allah methinks queen nur al huda hath sent a satan to torment me and he hath tricked me this trick i beg allah almighty deliver me from her and preserve me from her wrath 
for o oh lord if she deal thus abominably with her half-sister beating and hanging her dear as she is to her sire how will she do with a stranger like myself against whom she is incensed and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say when it was the eight hundred and twenty-second night she said it hath reached me o auspicious king that the ancient lady of calamities cried when queen nur al huda doeth such misdeed to her sister what will she do to a stranger like myself against whom she is incensed then said she i conjure thee o devil by the most compassionate the bountiful great the high of estate of dominion elate whom man and jinn did create and by the writing upon the seal of solomon david's son on both be the peace speak to me and answer me quoth hasan i am no devil i am hasan the afflicted the distraught then he raised the cap from his head and appeared to the old woman who knew him and taking him apart said to him what has come to thy reason that thou returnest hither go hide thee for if this wicked woman have tormented thy wife with such torments and she her sister what will she do and she light on thee then she told him all that had befallen his spouse and that wherein she was of travail and torment and tribulation and straightly described all the pains she endured adding and indeed the queen repenteth her of having let thee go and hath sent one after thee promising him an hundred weight of gold and my rank in her service and she hath sworn that if he bring thee back she will do thee and thy wife and children dead and she shed tears and discovered to hasan what the queen had done with herself whereat he wept and said o oh, my lady how shall i do to escape from this land and deliver myself and my wife and children from this tyrannical queen and how devise to return with them in safety to my own country replied the old woman woe to thee save thyself quoth he there is no help but i deliver her and my children from the queen perforce and in her despite and quoth shahawi how canst thou forcibly rescue them from her go and hide thyself o my son till allah almighty empower thee then hasan showed her the rod and the cap whereat she rejoiced with joy exceeding and cried glory be to him who quickeneth the bones though they be rotten by allah o my son thou and thy wife were but of lost folk now however thou art saved thou and thy wife and children for i know the rod and i know its maker who was my sheikh in the science of grammari he was a mighty magician and spent a hundred and thirty-five years working at this rod and cap till he brought them to perfection when death the inevitable overtook him and i have heard him say to his two boys o oh, my sons these two things are not of your lot for there will come a stranger from a far country who will take them from you by force and ye shall not know how he taketh them said they o oh, our father tell us how he will avail to take them but he answered i wot not and o oh, my son added she how availest thou to take them so he told her how he had taken them from the two boys whereat she rejoiced and said o oh, my son since thou hast gotten the whereby to free thy wife and children give ear to what i shall say to thee for me there is no woning with this wicked woman after the foul fashion in which she durst use me so i am minded to depart from her to the caves of the magicians and there abide with them until i die but do thou o oh, my son don the cap and hand the rod in hand and enter the place where thy wife and children are unbind her bonds and smite the earth with a rod saying be ye present o servants of these names whereupon the servants of the rod will appear and if there present himself one of the chiefs of the tribes 
command him whatso thou shalt wish and will so he farewelled her and went forth donning the cap and hending the rod and entered the place where his wife was he found her well-nigh lifeless bound to the ladder by her hair tearful-eyed and woeful-hearted in the sorriest of plights knowing no way to deliver herself her children were playing under the ladder while she looked at them and wept for them and herself because of the barbarities and sore treatings and bitter penalties which had befallen her and he heard her repeat these couplets there remaineth not aught save a fluttering breath and an eye whose owner is confounded and as desirous lover whose bowels are burned with fire notwithstanding which she is silent the exulting foe pitieth her at the sight of her alas for her whom the exulting foe pitieth when hasan saw her in this state of torment and misery and ignominy and infamy he wept till he fainted and when he recovered he saw his children playing and their mother a swoon for excess of pain so he took the cap from his head and the children saw him and cried out o oh, our father then he covered his head again and the princess came to herself hearing their cry but saw only her children weeping and shrieking oh our father when she heard them name their sire and weep her heart was broken and her vitals rent asunder and she said to them what maketh you in mind of your father at this time and she wept sore and cried out from a bursten liver and an aching bosom where are ye and where is your father then she recalled the days of her union with hasan and what had befallen her since her desertion of him and wept with sore weeping till her cheeks were seared and furrowed and her face was drowned in a briny flood her tears ran down and wetted the ground and she had not a hand loose to wipe them from her cheeks whilst the flies fed their fill on her skin and she found no helper but weeping and no solace but improvising verses then she repeated these couplets i call to mind the parting day that rent our loves in twain when as i turned away the tears in very streams did rain the cameleer urged on his beast with them what while i found nor strength nor fortitude nor did my heart with me remain yea back i turned unknowing of the road nor might shake off the trance of grief and longing love that numbed my heart and brain and worst of all betided me on my return was one who came to me in lowly guise to glory in my pain since the beloved's gone o soul forswear the sweet of life nor covet its continuance for wanting him twere vain list o my friend unto the tale of love and god forbid that i should speak and that thy heart to hearken should not deign as twere el asmad himself of passion i discourse fancies rare and marvellous linked in an endless chain and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased saying her permitted say end of section fourteen recorded by sylvia m b in washington state